Welcome to Today on Broadway for Wednesday, August 23rd, 2023. I'm Broadway Radio's Matt Tamanini. And I'm Tell Me on a Sunday podcast, Grace Aki. Grace, I got nothing. I've got nothing. <laughs> I've got nothing to banter about here at the top of the show. All right. Well, you guys, thank you so much for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Broadway Radio. You can find me on social media. <laughs> Very good. You've heard that once or twice. You know, I'm just still emotionally spent Aww. from the news that Once Upon One More Time is closed. I appreciate everybody yeah. who reached out and offered their condolences and asked where they could send flowers or make a donation in lieu of flowers. So I really appreciate that. Mm. Uh, but, but I do, of course, recommend... That everybody out there, if you're in New York or close to New York, go see it before be the end of Labor Day weekend. My friend Heather and I, who were doing a, planning a trip together in October, she was really disappointed to hear that it was closed. So I have to find something else. We were gonna go on a Monday night, so there's very few Monday night shows that are gonna be available. So I've gotta gotta get planning on that and seeing if I could scope out some tickets for Monday night shows. But still, that's all I got. I can talk about Once Upon One More Time every day for the rest of our you know our existence if we want. But I'll move on, Grace. But before we do, make sure that you head over to patreon.com slash broadwayradio, broadwayradio.com slash Patreon. I have a list of things that we're going to be changing uh, with Patreon and with the feeds in general. Once uh, James and I have a little bit of a powwow to confirm everything, especially because he's the one that has to make all the changes on the technical side of things, we'll be rolling those out. So stay tuned. Listen to that. It should be a lot of fun. Some very cool things happening. Let's get into the news. And speaking of cool things happening, Grace, we're going to have history starting in 2024, because for the first time ever, the entire City Center Encore's season will play two-week engagements. This is the 30th anniversary season. They've already announced the shows. Once Upon... Uh, I almost said Once Upon a One More Time. Tripped me up there. Freudian slip. Once Upon a Mattress, Jelly's Last Jam, and Titanic are all going to run for two weeks. And all three productions will offer student matinees, community nights, and ASL interpreted performances. We'll have the dates in the show notes if you want to check those out. But City Center's president and CEO, Michael S. Rosenberg, said, For this season of milestone anniversaries, these special two-week runs celebrating 30 years of encores provide added opportunities to welcome even more New Yorkers to experience City Center's world-class performances and to join in the celebration. Encore's artistic director, Lyra de Bessonet, echoed those sentiments, saying, quote, It's been 30 years since Encore's first began its mission of reviving American musicals, and this year we're celebrating the dedicated audiences and newcomers who've helped build this community with us and welcoming the next generation of musical theater audiences thanks to our first ever Encores student matinees. And this is all great. I, I Grace, you and I famously love an Encores. But I'm really glad that as they're doing this, they are finding ways to bring in new audience members, whether that's through student matinees. I would hope that they would also find ways to get some lower-priced tickets out there because it ain't cheap going to an Encores show. But at least if they're going to be doing this, they're doing it with an eye on bringing in younger audiences who oftentimes are just left out for a lot of reasons from our theatrical conversations. It's been it's been harder than ever to to be able to have ticket opportunities for schools and uh, community groups, especially. So this to me is a huge win. I know it's a logistical nightmare. So kudos to everybody that has made that happen. But it's awesome. And it's an incredible offering. And I I'm excited for it because if you want to also like zoom out a little bit, 
what Encores offers is not always the longstanding big Broadway hits. They're doing shows that like might have been overlooked in years past. And so this is an educational opportunity. It's not just entertainment. It's it's also uh, you might spur something in someone's brain of, oh, my goodness, I need to dive deeper below the Andrew Lloyd Webber catalog. You know, I think that it's um, I think it's it's exciting opportunity for anyone. And let's be honest, Once Upon a Mattress is something that many, many high schools do. I've directed it in high school, and it would be cool for them to see it, especially with Sutton Foster as the star as Princess Winifred in there. It should be very, very cool. All right, let's move on to a much less cool story, and but it is something, Grace, that I think we need to talk about for a number of reasons, both bad and somewhat silver lining, but... Over the last few days, we have learned that both Josh Groban and Annalie Ashford are going to be out of Sweeney Todd for an indeterminate amount of time due to the fact that they both have been diagnosed with COVID. Josh Groban was diagnosed on the 18th, so he has to wait at least five days, then retest, and if he's negative and then symptom-free, he can come back. I guess that would be today, but we don't know if he is coming back or not. Annalie Ashford, the news just came out on Tuesday afternoon, evening-ish, and they are both going to be out for a while. And I think there's two way, two reasons we want to talk about this. One, Grace, is that COVID's still here. Like, this is still a thing. And I went to New York, saw a bunch of shows. I don't think I saw anybody. I mean, I'm sure there was somebody, but nobody was wearing masks. And I, I get it. We've kind of, Everybody's kind of moved on from those. I always have my mask with me and, and wear it when I feel uncomfortable. But it's still a thing. This is going to continue to happen and kind of be prepared for that. On the other side, Sweeney Todd, yes, has two incredible stars, but they've also got two incredible standbys. The person stepping in for Josh Groban will be Nicholas Christopher, who has had a great career on his own in Miss Saigon and in Hamilton and in a bunch of other things. And then stepping in for Annalie Ashford is probably somebody who will drive ticket sales on her own, and that is erstwhile Princess Diana Gina Duvall. So this is a time. Maybe ticket prices might go down a little bit, Grace, and people might be returning tickets because Groban's not in. So if you haven't been able to see Sweeney Todd on Broadway yet, or you want to see Gina Duvall or Nick Christopher, like maybe try to get down there in the next couple days. Well, I will say Nick Christopher being in also means that someone else is Pirelli. Oh, that's and, true. And like that to me, there's like a domino effect there. Like Gina is obviously the official standby for um, Anna Lee. But what happens is when Nick Christopher goes in is that we have a different Pirelli. And that's when you get a bunch of other people. So I'm excited for whatever this might mean in terms of holistically the cast, because it could be a lot of fun. So yeah, a lot of people obviously might have had, you know, tickets to particularly see Groban or particularly the both of them. And so this might be a good opportunity for any last minute like returns or um, anything like that that might help uh, with ticket opportunities for everybody in New York City. Ray is one of the standbys or like one of the, the Ray Lee has He does have dates currently. If you go to his Instagram page, he has posted some, but I, I am for Pirelli. I have it for Pirelli. So I'm I'm assuming that that also means that he's going to be in right now, but that's not always 100% the case. So I'm curious. I'm watching everybody's Instagram yeah. feverishly. <laughs> well, maybe see. not. Maybe let's not say feverishly when we're talking about COVID, please. That might be uh, a little off putting. Yeah. I think I saw Ray. I saw Ray, right? I saw, yeah. You did. I, I, you I, did. Yeah, I saw Ray yeah. as as Pirelli because I, I remember sending you the, uh, the understudy slip. Yeah. Yeah. So, 
Very cool. Still tons of other talent in that show. Big name talent. Uh, Gaten Matarazzo, Ruthie Ann Miles, Maria Bilbao, who I think is going to be uh, a, a star in the future. John Rapson, who you and I met uh, outside of Once Upon One More Time, actually. I've said uh, it before on the show. I'll say it a billion times more. Robbed of a Tony win for this role. I think he is so astoundingly good that he makes me want to see every Sweeney Todd he's ever been in. I think that he elevates that role to an insane degree. So I don't care who you see as everybody else. I want you to also see John Rapson as the Beatle because holy shit, is he good? Yeah, he's very, very good. <laughs> All right, let's dive into last week's Broadway grosses. We did have one extra show jump on, and that was, of course, El Mago Pop. That brought us to 26 shows on Broadway. However, the grosses did decline 7% to $25,806,601. Total attendance was just down 3%, which means ticket prices are going down. Attendance came in at $213,292. The average ticket price was still $120.99. What was interesting to me, Grace is that as Goodnight Oscar is getting ready to close at the end of this week, it is continuously setting new records for itself. It has enjoyed for six weeks the highest gross of its run, and for the first time last week, the show eclipsed uh, seven figures and was in the Million Dollar Club at $1,061,786. But keep in mind... They just do seven performances. So the fact that this show, while everything else seems to be kind of going down, this show with a Tony-winning performance by Sean Hayes, obviously Sean Hayes is a star in his own right, continues to go up, is really interesting. And honestly, something that I would not have expected. So very, very excited about that. Alex Edelman's show, which closes over the weekend just for us, did a very strong week. It played to 99.47% capacity and took in $812,208. The show, of course, on the top of the list, as it has been for quite a while, is The Lion King at $2,226,635. Hamilton was next at $1.9 million. Wicked at $1.56. MJ at $1.45. And then Aladdin at $1.38. The rest of the shows north of seven figures in descending order are the aforementioned Sweeney Todd, that of course just still does seven performances. Cursed Child, Back to the Future, Funny Girl, and Juliet, Moulin Rouge, Goodnight Oscar, as I mentioned, brings up the rear there. In total, there were 12 shows that made the Million Dollar Club and also 12 shows that played to 90% capacity or above. Hamilton was the only one that was completely full. It was at 100.79%, so had some standing room and some other shenanigans in there as well. El Mago Pop, in its first six performances on Broadway, did a pretty impressive $624,826. There were obviously comps and stuff mixed in there, but it's only a two-week run, so I don't know how much they did on that, but uh, still did fairly well. Any thoughts on any of that, Grace, as you've been walking around on the street, as you like to say, uh, anything about attendance or tickets, prices or anything that that jumps to mind for you? It's all crazy. You don't know anything. I mean, truly. And that's coming from I I get to hear all the things. Right. So it's it's not just, you know, me spitting out of my butt or anything, but like it's more so the fact that like every show vacillates in different ways. And I think the star power, just to your point earlier about a good night Oscar Sean Hayes star power with the podcast 
and his HBO documentary about the podcast coming out. I think it's it's honestly probably helpful to have Eric McCormack on the street as well. There's a lot of like yeah. love for the Will and Grace NBC Universal fan base within those two plays that are, you know, new and original pieces of work that have these great stars in them. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that it it all just varies. I know that everyone just economically is being tight with their dollar. And so where they're choosing to spend it, they are going big or going home. I feel like a lot of times they're not you know, engaging in those back of balcony uh, or mezzanine as often as in years past where you'd want to see a bunch of shows. They might be, you know, spending more on a premium seat for one time, one show only for a certain person that they want to see. So yeah, I think it's it's just different, but I'm, I'm hoping that we can continue to forge forward because as we've noted, you know, there's a lot of empty houses. There's a lot, we're, we're, we're staying very positive, you know, but we are not immune to the fact that like, it's tough out there. So um, if there is a show that you want to see, see it when you can and see it early. Don't wait and say, oh, the run is says that it's until this time or it's open ended. Like you never know, like you said about Once Upon a One More Time. It's gotten all this, you know, massive coverage. They've got bus wraps. I mean, you see it everywhere, but that doesn't always mean that it will stay around and, and be everywhere for, for long. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, let's get into just some other random stories that don't really have any kind of theme, but we're going to head to Washington, D.C. as two stars from the beloved West Wing TV show are going to be reuniting to do A.R. Gurney's two-hander love letters at the Kennedy Center for just a handful of days in September. That'll be, of course, the show's star, the president, Martin Sheen, and Melissa Fitzgerald, who was on the show the entire run, she played the assistant to C.J. Craig, the press secretary, C.J. Craig. Her character's name was Carol. She didn't really actually talk much, but she was there. What's interesting about her is she is, yes, an actress, but she is also the senior director of a, a nonprofit organization called Justice for Vets. And she has worked with Martin Sheen for many, many years on a lot of different projects. This project is something that they actually did for the first time in 2020. They did it virtually and um, they did it in honor of Recovery Month, which is a thank you to public health and public safety professionals, professionals working in treatment courts for, for drug and alcohol abuse. So this will again be in honor of Recovery Month. It'll run from September 28th through September 30th. Tickets are going to go on sale today for Kennedy Center members and to the general public on August 25th. In a statement, Fitzgerald said, for years, Martin and I have collaborated to advocate for expanding treatment and recovery for for people with substance abuse and mental health disorders in the justice system. And we continue to find resonance in the story of love letters. I'm excited to finally share it with the public and so happy to do so during recovery month. Obviously, Martin Sheen has had numerous substance abuse issues in his own family yeah. with his son, Charlie. We all know those stories. Uh, so obviously, it's something that hits close to home for both of them. I just wanted to say that A.R. Gurney's Love Letters is one of my favorite plays. I did it. Uh, when I was in high school where they split Seems the appropriate. role. appropriate, yeah. It's not, well, no, I didn't do it in high school, but I oh, was okay. at the time at in high school. And I, I did it where my mother played the older version of that oh, character no. as me. It was really sweet. And I have really fond memories of it. Um, and I was actually playing opposite my, at the time, of course, like the, the theater tenor boyfriend that I had. And then as adult versions of us was, my bonus dad and my mom. So it was like a community theater, but it was really sweet. And so I always have fondness. And it was the first Today Ticks purchase I ever made when I moved to New York City was to see Carol Burnett in Love Letters. I thought there will never be a time for me to see Carol Burnett on Broadway probably ever again. And so I think it was 
like $29. And it was like kind of all I had to spend on this show. And thanks to Today Ticks, I got, I made that happen. And it was a really full circle moment for me. So I have really fond memories of that show. Go see it. Yeah. And they're doing it at, um, at Irish Rep. They're doing it at Irish Rep. Yeah. So, with Matthew Broderick. Uh, yep. And a bunch of other stars as well. So definitely love to hear that. So l- let me ask on a scale of one to 10, how were Margaret and Rick? They're pretty good. I mean, they were vets. You know, Rick, Rick uh, was definitely, he's a radio personality. So it's an, it's basically an audio play. I mean, he had it down. Margaret, she was fine. She, she could have been better. She um, was fine. She was fine. <laughs> Critics said fine. Okay. Oof. All right, Grace, we just got some breaking news that literally came in just a couple minutes ago while we were recording. But it was announced that the Great Gatsby Immersive Show will play its final performance this Sunday on August 27th. It was playing at the Park Central Hotel in New York City. I did not see it. I know a bunch of people were invited for like social media influencer things. But honestly, I saw all the pictures. I don't know that I heard a word about the show itself. So maybe that has something to do with the fact that it is closing early. Uh, And the fact that we're going to (laughs) get... perhaps two Great Gatsby musicals trying to come to New York in the next year. I don't know what this means for the Great Gatsby appetite out there, but the immersive show will close this weekend. So if you want to get to see it, make sure that you head over there this weekend. And finally, Grace, as we wrap up, you have another recommendation, another show that you want to make sure that people uh, have on their radars. So why don't you tell me about this one? Yeah. So famously now I am such a big Joe's Pub stan. I always have been, but (laughs) now I feel dedicated to the craft. Uh, But Marty Cummings, a friend, a philosopher, a scholar, a drag icon. Um, If you're not familiar with Marty Cummings' work, they used to have a show. Well, they've had a million shows um, in Hell's Kitchen and otherwise. um, Incredible drag performer, activist, and politician. But their new show, Drugs, Drag, and Divorce, is something that I feel like you won't want to miss if you're familiar with their work. If you are unfamiliar with their work, you should still buy a ticket because it's damn good. I've never been to a Marty Cummings show that wasn't off the charts excellent. Um, and as we were saying, you're being tight with your dollar, fine, but we're going to make recommendations based on the good stuff out there. So um, make sure that you get your tickets to see Marty Cummings' new show that's playing September 29th and 30th at 9.30 p.m. at Joe's Pub. And tickets really aren't that expensive. It's 35 to $45 uh, yeah. plus, plus fees. I mean, there is a two-drink minimum or one food item minimum uh, It's per a hot person. night out. Yeah, I mean, but like, really, you compare that to like, even the cheapest Broadway ticket, and you're still out ahead, and you're still getting a drink or food with it as well. So very cool. All right, that is all that we have for today. Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Broadway Radio. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, wherever, at BWW. Matt, Grace, where can people find you? You can find me on all social media platforms for the time being at It's Grace Aki. All right, everybody, have a wonderful hump day, and we'll be back to talk to you tomorrow. 